So my big beef is this profit at all costs mindset in organizations versus the, the mission before money mindset, which is key to success in, in a security organization, just in all, in all industries, really. The alternative is if I take time to get to know my audience and apply insights to strategies and tactics and do things more authentically, double down on the longer term plays, which down the line are going to provide exponential growth. Like it'll take a little bit of time to take off, but it'll provide exponential growth versus the, the linear incremental growth. You know, there's a fear of harming those short-term earnings if I do that or negatively affecting the investor's perspectives of the brand, which causes a lot of anxiety. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome everybody to What's the Problem? The show that explores problems that practitioners, buyers, and cybersecurity professionals face in today's world. Today, we are very fortunate to have Danny Wolf join the show. Danny, say hello to our listeners. Hello, hello, and thanks so much for having me on the show. I think this is what show number two that you all have invited me to, so I'm super thrilled and thank you for that. I know you are a, a longtime listener, second time caller, so we're excited to have you not just on Tea Time for Tech Marketing Leaders, but also on What's the Problem? Um, and getting into not the problem yet, but our first question, as we know, is always, Danny, why are you qualified to talk about security? Wow. I'm not sure I'm qualified to talk about security. <laughs> um, totally, totally suffering from imposter syndrome right now. But I think if anything, well, first and foremost, I, I've been in security for about four years as a cybersecurity marketer working on the vendor side. Secondly, if anything, you know, I've dedicated the last, I don't even know what, um, better half, no, even more better, like about a year or two, really trying to become as obsessed as possible with the buyer and get as close as I can with them. So that's me literally just taking the time to interview them, understand what makes the practitioner and the business decision maker in security tick, what pisses them off that vendors do, you know, trying to establish a, a genuine and authentic relationship with my audience because I think that's a huge differentiator as a marketer or, or a salesperson. If you're in sales, I really have a genuine curiosity to, to understand them, to get as close as I can to them and to become as literate as I can in security. I think it starts there. So my hope is that I'm qualified. I think I am, but I think you agree. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, so that's, that's about it. Absolutely. And I, I think a little a little known university by the name of Stanford University also uh, gave, didn't give, you earned a certificate from them, um, not on the topic of cybersecurity specifically, but within the world of human interaction and computer science. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, first of all, Stanford was my dream school when I was in high school. I didn't get in. (laughs) So it's my, it was my dream to somehow have a, have a connection to Stanford. You know, I was raised in California and I really wanted to go there. And I, I, about a decade ago, I, you know, stumbled upon, you know, the value of user experience as it ties back to technology and it ties back to just general, you know, general customer, customer experiences and the way we, we do things digitally as a marketer. And I noticed they had a certification program there. And I said, yeah, I got, I got to do that. I thought it was super valuable to me. I'd love to redo some form of that kind of certification because that was 10 years ago and things changed so rapidly that some of the theories there and the tactics are refreshed now. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, you mentioned the word curiosity earlier, and I think myself and our listeners are curious. Name a problem in the security world. Let's talk about it and get kind of curious. Okay. So prepping for this call, by the way, I have a list of maybe 101 problems. So it was hard to really pinpoint, but I'll kind of dig into a main problem that I've experienced. And my hope is that those listening in, you know, my hope is this will, this will help them. This is a big problem. I think many suffer from so marketers, sales teams alike in the security space are pressured by the need to produce quick results to appease investor profits. So I think this need to demonstrate financial strength results in kind of shady and sometimes unethical business practices. And and that really compromises the buyer experiences and sometimes the product quality in favor of like short-term gains. So my big beef is this profit at all costs mindset in organizations versus the, the mission before money mindset, which is key to success in, in a security organization, just in all, in all industries, really. The alternative is if I take time to get to know my audience and apply insights to strategies and tactics and do things more authentically, double down on the longer term plays, which down the line are going to provide exponential growth. Like it'll take a little bit of time to take off, but it'll provide exponential growth versus the, the linear incremental growth. You know, there's a fear of harming those short-term earnings if I do that or negatively affecting the investor's perspectives of the brand, which causes a lot of anxiety. And I, I suffer from it. I've been there many times. I still sometimes suffer from it because we're all, you know, we're all funded by, by investors and they invest a lot of money and they expect exponential growth like that. What happens then, right? Marketers, salespeople, they fall into the comfort of the status quo. They fall into the comfort of just routines, day-to-day habits that after a while don't feel like bad habits. They just, they're just the way things are done. And marketers continue to talk to marketers about the way things are done and not many challenge that status quo. And so we focus on these trivial tasks at the expense of the audience's experience. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm becoming more, trying to become more customer obsessed. In the past, I've suffered and I've, I've fallen into the trap of, of, you know, the law of triviality and I didn't make time or I was hesitant to approach customers or the audience and show a genuine curiosity to get to know them. And that pisses off buyers, right? Because we, we fall into those bad habits for quick, for quick results. It's a big issue and, and failure to get close to the practitioner or the business decision maker in, in security in any industry really 
you know, it causes those blind spots in the organization and we're working against what investors and our managers want in the first place, right? Blind spots, what are those? They're just, if anything, the biggest blind spot is just insight, lack of insight. Getting access to those insights is your differentiator. So in the end, that just causes companies to lose touch with what really brings value to the organization and, and the customer and the audience. That to me is, is a huge fundamental issue. I can imagine that on the product and the engineering side, what you're saying is probably being welcomed with like, you know, everyone's doing the wave and they're jumping up and down because there's always this friction between sales and marketing to actually promote and sell the product. And not all organizations have this issue, but I've certainly spoken to some who have that issue around like sales and marketing are saying things that we can't do or that aren't possible or that are two quarters away on our engineering roadmap or, you know, whatever. And um, I can imagine in the, in the experience you just shared that by being authentic and understanding the buyer, the word honest and transparent also comes to mind, being honest and transparent around here's where we are today. Here's where we'd like to go. But, you know, that, that doesn't exist yet. You know, I've, I've never met a product leader or an engineering leader who loved it when sales and marketing promised something that actually wasn't quite ready or wouldn't be ready or fundamentally was going to change a roadmap that we on the marketing side didn't even make in the first place. Like, <laughs> so wow. uh, this well, is probably being met with, you know, like a, a raucous like cheer. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in my discussions with buyers and, and customers, it's, Honesty and transparency are, are very core themes that I hear across all of my conversations. And the expectation from them is that you cannot do everything as a security vendor or a product. You cannot do anything, but you, know, you can solve an issue. And if you really focus on that core competency, there will be a lot of, and be honest about what you cannot solve then there will be, you know, you'll be met with, with arms wide open from, from a practitioner who understands and your core competency and the value there. So I just think, you know, as a marketer, remember that you cannot be everything to that one person. My discussions is just validated that, you know, a lot of vendors promise over promise and under deliver. It's okay to, to admit that you cannot do everything. Yeah. Before we get to our final and most fun question, I, I did want to reflect one more thing based on this conversation that you mentioned these paraphrasing, you get in these habits and they could be poor habits. And over time, those habits just become air quotes, the way things are done, or because we've always done it that way, you know, some, some semblance of that statement. And it really reminds me, you know, one of my hobbies is flying small airplanes and you hear of pilots that have um, crashes, it's called CFIT, controlled flight into terrain. It's usually at night or an inclement or instrument weather. And what happens is you start leaning, the, you start turning the airplane very slowly to the left or the right. And talking about the way it's always been done or those habits becoming like they feel normal. So you're turning the airplane to the left, let's say, you think you're flying straight ahead and you have fluid. All human beings have fluid in their ears that tells you it's almost like a level, like that you'd buy at the hardware store. Mm -hmm. And by staying in that left turn, if it's not too sharp, your brain actually, that fluid thinks, oh, great, like we're kind of level, like it might be off. But after a minute or two, 
we just go into, oh, we're completely level. And then pilots, what happens is that turn to the left becomes a tighter turn and tighter turn and tighter turn. All of a sudden you start to notice, oh my gosh, my heading is, I'm going literally backwards at this point, you know, from where I started, my speed is increasing, my altitude is dropping. Like now you're in a tight spiraling turn that is going to get tighter unless you get out of it. Um, But your brain until, you know, it happens with pilots all the time, but until you, you look at your instruments, your brain is sits there and, and it kind of lies to you. And that's kind of what I wanted to reflect back in this conversation of these habits that of over promising and under delivering or saying you can do something or not being transparent and saying you're not good at something. Even if you can do it, just saying, you know, we can do that, but it's not really our strength. Like our strength lies over here. Those habits turn into the fluid in your ears and all of a sudden it just becomes normal. Like it, it's okay to behave this way because my ears are telling me it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Wow. I, I have on LinkedIn, a list of all those habits I've, you know, stuck to for years that have just wasted time, you know, and it, it pulled me away from, from really kind of getting close to, to the customer and the audience. Sometimes we just got to like stop for a second. And, and if you, if you can't get access to customers, get, get access to the closest, best thing, your ideal customer profile, reach out to them and, and try and build those authentic relationships. Cause you'll be surprised after just a few conversations, you know, after six to eight, you'll, you'll start understanding themes and, and see, you'll start seeing similarities in what they're saying based on the questions that you're asking. And you'll be able to apply that to your strategy and, and tactics, which will, I can't even tell you how, how great that will affect, how greatly that'll affect your, your results quick too. So you're not only building relationships, you're also, also positively affecting what you're doing as a marketer within a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Danny, we've arrived at question number three. It's the most fun and entertaining for our listeners or so I've been told. Tell us about your worst haircut. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's kind of a morbid story, but how is it? We're in 2022. So eight years ago, unfortunately, my, my grandmother passed passed away, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I I, I said to myself, oh, okay, well she she passed away, let's go get a haircut and color my hair to you know make myself feel a little bit better. I don't know why I thought that would help. It made me feel worse because you know this. I don't even know what I told him to do. I wanted to do you know at the time I was kind of blonde. I was doing all these, you know, highlights in my hair. I had long hair. He chopped my hair off to a short haircut. I still have a short haircut now. And he, you know, dyed it brown and blonde. And I literally went out looking like a skunk. And I, I went, yeah, I I looked like a skunk and I, I had to go to the funeral like that. And I remember it was a very hot day in December, ironically, and I went with a, like a skull cap. So I was sweating like crazy in crying and bawling at the funeral. It was just the worst experience ever. So that I think it's a tie between that and my, and shaving my head like 10 months ago, <laughs> I literally shaved everything. Like I quit my okay. job, shaved my head and then started at cyber six deal, which was an interesting experience as well. So I'm pretty risky when it comes to haircuts. So I think that's the story. Both are winners. Well, I appreciate you sharing uh, both of those stories. That was a twofer right there. I wasn't expecting to hear stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome, Danny. Well, again, thank you for joining us. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening to What's the Problem, the show that explores 
problems that buyers, practitioners, and professionals in the cybersecurity space face in today's world. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.